You are listening to audio from Calvary Chapel, Monrovia. For more information, please visit www.ccmonrovia.org. If you have your Bibles with you today, please open them with me to the book of Galatians, chapter 1. Galatians, chapter 1. And while you're turning there, I want to read a passage of Scripture. It will probably sound familiar to you. It comes to us from the book of Hebrews, chapter 1. And listen to what it says in the first verse. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. God has been speaking to man throughout the ages, And in times past, he anointed and inspired prophets, spiritual fathers, men that God, Moses, others that God inspired to write and to communicate his message to men. But in these last days, of which you and I are living, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. God's message today, the message from heaven for mankind today is Jesus. He's the relevant message. He's what God wants to communicate to to our hearts. The person, the life, the teachings, the accomplishments of Jesus Christ. What we're looking at here today is the Apostle Paul reminding a group of believers in a number of churches the importance of this truth. God has spoken to us in the person and life and gospel good news of Jesus Christ. There's no other message. There's nothing. God has no plan B if you're not interested in plan A. God is spoken. God has spoken, and the message is, I love you, and I've sent my son to redeem you in relationship to me, that you would know me, that you would walk with me, that we would have fellowship, and that you would live forever in relationship with me. It's a beautiful message. It's a powerful truth. And it's the kind of message that is life-changing. And Paul is writing to this church, this group of churches in Galatia. We call this the book of Galatians. It's really just a letter from the apostle. And you're going to see today, he gets very intense very early in the letter. Last week, we simply looked at the introduction. You remember by review The apostle introduced himself again, the apostle, the messenger that has been sent to proclaim this message. God is the one that has called me. God is the one that has given me the message. And it's been according to the will of God the Father to whom be glory forever and ever. Paul reminding this church, remember, I came and told you only what God gave me to tell you, and I was called of God to deliver it, and it's to his glory. And now as we get into the balance of chapter 1, we're going to see Paul get into more very direct confrontation and speaking very urgently to this church. We'll look at this in two sections, the balance of chapter 1, talking about this message, this life-changing message of Jesus. And the first thing we notice is that there is only one message. Take a look with me now in verse 6. 
I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another. But there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. Let him be damned to hell. Strong language. He repeats it. Verse 9, as we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what we have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I speak to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Pretty strong, kind of almost confrontational addressing of these churches. Something of urgency is in Paul's heart here. Something serious is on the line. The apostle gave almost his life teaching, preaching Jesus in these cities. You may remember in the book of Acts, it was his first missionary journey, and he went through this region of Galatia, preaching Jesus in their cities. Many were coming to faith, but the Jewish community was persecuting and didn't want this message of Christ preached. And and they left him in, in one of the cities. They took him outside the city, and they stoned him and left him for dead. He wasn't dead, or if he was, the Lord brought him back. He rose up and went back into the city. But this is the kind of uh, struggle that Paul had to endure to bring this message to this people. And now he is fiercely concerned that the message is being tampered with, that the message is being distorted, perverted. And he addresses it strongly here. Let's just look at a few things together. We're talking about only one message. First of all, it is a message of grace. Paul says, I marvel. I can't believe. I'm shocked that you have so quickly, so soon, turned away from him who called you in the grace of Christ. I can't believe it, Galatians. I can't believe after hearing this wonderful news that God loves you and that he has done everything for you in Christ to enjoy mercy, forgiveness, relationship with him, all of it accomplished by him and freely given to you. I can't, ima- I can't understand why you are now turning away to some other gospel, which isn't really a gospel. You see, once you get away from the, the truth of this message, the power of the message is lost. There is no diluting or altering or changing or making it a little bit different and imagining that it will, it will still pr- produce the same result in your life. God is saving through this gospel message, and it's a message of grace. Who knew? Who knew that God was so willing and desiring to be merciful. Haven't you wondered maybe at times what, you know, kind of what the fear of God might look like? 
I can remember even as a Christian, I was kind of just feeling that God was always ready to judge, like, uh, you know, this hovering over me with a ruler, you know, just waiting to whack. I told you no, you know, just that kind of uh, just heavy hand. And, you know, you, you just, a lot of people feel like God, oh, you know, you've heard the, the I, I can't come to church. Are you kidding? Lightning will strike if I show up in the building. People just feeling that they are not, you know, received by God. And yet God is saying something. God has spoken to man in these last days. And the message is, no, I'm not angry. No, I, I'm, I'm not a God waiting or looking forward to judge. My message to you, my message is Jesus. I love you. I'm going to come and send my son to die for you. I want, I want to give you mercy. I want, to, I want to bring you close. I want us to have fellowship. Who knew that God felt that way about us? But now that you've discovered that, now that you've embraced that, who would want to trade that for anything? You see how Paul is concerned. Why would you leave grace? Grace means unmerited favor, the, the, the free gift and love of God. It comes from his kind intention. Nothing you can deserve, nothing you can earn, nothing you could ever merit. God just loves you. It comes from him. And so much so that he wants to extend this gift of mercy and love and eternal life. Paul said, I can't believe you would trade that for anything. Especially some religious uh, program of you having to work and earn and add and try to somehow measure up to God. Why would you trade that for the free gift of his love and grace in Christ? Well, we see that's exactly the problem and that, that in this message, some are trying to pervert it, change it, alter it, distort it. Paul says, some are troubling you by perverting the gospel. And anything that distracts or anything that distorts or takes away or in any way changes the gospel is a perversion of the gospel, and it's not really the gospel. Religious works, all religious ideas. Now, you know, in Paul's day, what was happening is that the Jewish believers were coming into the Gentile community of, of believers, talking about the believers, those who had put their faith in Christ, and they were saying, you know what? You Gentiles, we're Jewish. You need to measure up to Judaism before you just accept and receive the blessings of Christ. Oh, you need Christ, but you also need to honor and follow the Mosaic law the dietary laws, the keeping of the Sabbath and the holy days, and you need to be circumcised, and all of the things that, that make us Jewish, those need to happen so then you can really experience the fullness of Christ. And Paul is livid over this message. Paul is fiercely defending this, that there is nothing that can be added to Christ. You don't need Jesus plus you don't need Jesus and certain dietary laws and keeping some holy days of Passover and Jewish traditions. You need Christ and no one but Christ. And when you add or when you take away, you diminish the work and the sufficiency of Christ. Paul so, tells us in this, 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 just these first few uh, verses that there is zero tolerance for any altering of the message. No one 
if we preach something different, if an angel from heaven preaches something different, if anyone brings to you any other message than the one we have already delivered to you, and that, that is that God loves you and sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for your sins, that you through faith can embrace and receive the full measure of grace and love and forgiveness Nothing else needs to be done by you. It's all been done by him. If anybody tells you otherwise, let him be accursed. Don't listen to him. It's a perversion of this pure message, which is the power of God unto salvation. Paul is strong, and so we need to be strong. This message comes to us. We, in the same way, must realize this message cannot be tinkered with. It can't be altered. We can't start to imagine, well, Jesus is good, but maybe if I do a few little extra religious duties, I'll be even in better standing with God. Do you imagine that you can improve on the standing that Christ himself has provided for you? You see, when you put it that way, you say, well, probably not. And that's the way you need to understand the gospel. Now, I'm not saying that we don't have an obligation to live unto God and that we desire because of our love for him and all that he's done for us to live and walk in integrity and obedience to him. But none of that buys you in. The only thing that can buy you into relationship and fellowship with him is the blood of Jesus Christ paid at the cross for you and for me. And Paul is saying that I'm giving you this message not motivated or trying to conform or approve to men. Notice what he says there. And I'm going to read, just read verse 10 again out of the NIV. Notice what he says. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. You see, they were also saying, listen, the reason Paul didn't tell you about circumcision and some of the duties and religious rituals of Judaism, he didn't want to kind of overwhelm you. He didn't tell you the whole story because he wanted to make it sound, uh, you know, easier for you. He wanted to appease you. So he just told you, yeah, all you need is Jesus because he thought that would maybe go over better with you. Paul is saying, Do you think that's why I said all you need is Jesus? To somehow please men or gain approval? Remember when they took me out of the city and they stoned me and left me for dead? Did that look like approval to you? No, I'm preaching this message because it's the only message. It's not for man. It's not for for the approval of men. It's for God. It's his message. I'm merely the messenger. I'm simply delivering the truth that has been entrusted to me. And church, we've got to be careful. We've got to be careful in the way that we present the gospel. You know, there is a tendency to want to make it a little more appealing to the culture, a little more winsome to the generation. You know, if we just don't mention some of these things or if we highlight some of this, you know, more people might be willing to come and hear the message of Jesus. And just these little slight tinkerings and, wow, we could really, we could really take this message far. But listen to me, that message loses all its power the minute you touch it. 
The minute you change it, the minute you alter it. Now, I'm all for methods and, and, and ways to bring the message. Let's be creative. Let's have concerts. Let's do whatever God would have us to do to bring the message. But the message is the message. And the message is that God is saving mankind through Jesus Christ. He's the Word. Amen. He's the Word made flesh. He goes on there in verse 11, But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Listen, this is why I can't change it, church. This is why I can't alter it. It's not my message. It came from God. I can't, you know, put it into my preferred style. It's got to retain its power, which is from heaven. Now, Paul is saying that it didn't come according to man. And it's not that he never heard the gospel through man. You remember the apostle was there when they stoned Stephen. Paul was not yet saved. He was still a Jewish Pharisee persecuting the church. He hated believers. And he was there when they stoned Stephen to death. And if you read that account of the book of Acts, Stephen preached the gospel. Oh, Paul heard the gospel from man, but it, never made, it was never revealed within him until Jesus Christ eventually appeared to Paul in person. Remember that account? Acts chapter 9. Paul had, had gotten papers from the leaders, the Jewish religious leaders, to go and enforce and arrest and persecute churches, uh, the believers, uh, the Christians in Damascus. Oh, and he was there. I'm going to put all of them into prison. I'm going to lock them up, take them, rip them out of their families and homes. We're going to shut this thing down. And on the way, Jesus appears to him. He's riding on horse, a, a bright light. He's down and and and. Jesus says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And, and, and he's, who are you? I'm Jesus, the one whom you are persecuting. And all of a sudden, Paul's spiritual eyes were opened. Wait, wait, you, you are the Messiah? You are the fulfillment of my faith? You are the one that has come to save me and to save us as a people? What do you need me to do, Lord? What do you need me to do? Jesus said, you know, it's hard, isn't it, Paul, to kick against the goads, those promptings, those, those little arrows in your heart? Can, can you imagine Paul watching Stephen and Stephen just, just continuing to preach and looking into heaven? Oh, that must have been just, you know, really convicting Saul. You know that some of the people that persecute and resist the gospel the fiercest are actually acting against that strong conviction that the Holy Spirit, those goads, you don't stop ministering that because people, you know, act out. No, you, you just, that's probably the Lord moving. Listen, some of the people you think would never come to faith are the very ones that God is working on to bring to faith. Hey, some of you are in here. Some of you are answers to prayer people. Some of you are people that we thought would never come to faith, and here you are, and we're glad you're here. Paul was that kind of guy. That guy will never believe on Christ. Well, he becomes the apostle, preaching Christ throughout the world. No, it's not man's message. It's the message that he received from heaven. Now, again, I think that Paul is doing a little defensive work here in the church. 
No doubt he was getting accused of not being a real apostle. Yeah, yeah, I know, Paul. He's told you he's an apostle. But listen, he wasn't there with Jesus. He wasn't with Paul, uh, Peter and John. He, he, he came to Jesus even after Jesus had already resurrected and ascended into heaven. He's not an apostle. And Paul is saying, no, I am an apostle called by God. And the same revelation that these apostles had, God has also made to me. We know that Jesus appeared to him on the road to Damascus. We have other indications in the scripture that Jesus was making Paul aware through personal tutoring the full message of the gospel. You don't need to turn, but when Paul was was speaking to the church in Corinth in chapter 11, he says this in verse 23, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup and so forth. Wait a minute, Paul, you weren't at the Last Supper. You weren't there. You didn't see Jesus break the bread and give thanks and hand out the cup. But Paul is saying, in this, what the Lord has delivered to me, I now deliver to you. Jesus gave Paul his own personal revelation of the things that he needed to be the apostle he was called to be. So Paul is letting him know, look, this isn't, it's not like I ran up and got all the instruction from Peter and John and then just came back to you guys. No, God was speaking this gospel to me through personal revelation. Now, he does eventually go and confirm that what he's preaching is the gospel that the others were preaching, and of course, it was. But he wants these believers to know this message comes with the authority from heaven, and it's the same message you and I are reading and studying today. This message comes from God. The Word of God is our anointed text. This is what the Spirit of God has for us. We can't invent or alter or modify We've got to stick with what comes from heaven. That's where the power is. That's where the change is. And that's what I want to talk to you, the second part of this text today. There is only one message, but it's the message that changes everything. Look with me with Paul. Back now to our text. Pick it up, verse 13. The first thing we notice is it changes who you were. Paul says in verse 13, For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. This is who I was, guys. You remember? You heard my rap. You heard the stories. I was a, I was a persecutor of the church. I was, I was a zealous uh, you know, student of Judaism. I was advancing beyond. I was top of my class. We know that he studied under one of the most elite teachers of his day, Gamaliel. Paul was the Harvard Law School honors graduate of his time in Judaism. He was the pedigree of Jewish tradition, religion, law, and faith. And this is the one that God chooses to become the messenger of grace. It changes everything. It can change a career path. It can change everything that you are aspiring to. It can change everything that you thought was important. Everything that you thought you had to have. 
All of that can change when God begins to work the message of the gospel in your heart. God wants to redirect your life. He, he, it changes who you were, and it also calls you to walk in grace. Look at verse 15. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Paul's saying, that's who I was. But listen, God met me. (laughs) That's what I was doing, but then it pleased God. And I like that it pleased God. I'm glad that God is pleased to reveal Christ in you and me. It's not something he's doing reluctantly. It's not like, oh, you? You want to get saved? Oh, I've... I was, I was hoping you wouldn't show up, but okay, you've got to, I've, you know, I've got to keep my word. You're safe. That's not the way God is feeling towards you. This is Paul. He's out there persecuting. He's an enemy, putting Christians into prison and to death. And it pleased God to save him. It pleased God to reveal Christ in him and to call him by grace. Oh, Paul was earning nothing but, but enmity with God. Paul, wasn't, Paul had no merit. Nothing to offer God. He was, the, he was a sworn enemy of Christ. But it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb. Wait a minute. You mean even, even when you were, before you were born, God saw you? God called you? God had a plan for you? No, no. He, he called you after you received you know, mercy and grace. No, Paul says it pleased God even to separate me even from my mother's womb. You see, God has, is, has known you and, is, and knows you so intimately, even more than you know yourself. God has had his eye on you from birth. Jeremiah said, the Lord spoke to Jeremiah, even before you were in your mother's womb, I called you to be a prophet to the nations. God has a plan for your life. God has a purpose, and it's all in grace. Oh, what do I have to do? What do I have to accomplish? To, what, what, what degree? What, what kind of career? No, no, no. God has called you. It's pleased God to reveal Christ in you and to call you to whatever he's ultimately calling you to do. For Paul, go preach Jesus to the Gentiles. What? I'm a Jew, a staunch Jew. I know. Now get out and go preach to everybody but the Jews. He did preach to Jews, but ultimately his ministry was primarily to the Gentiles. God... You know, God takes the foolish things and and uses wisdom. God takes the things that we least expect and he uses them mightily. He takes the common, the base, the look around. Any fools here today? Any, any, Any not many wise, not many noble among us here today? But God, who saw you before you were born, has called you and loves you. And it's always been his plan to save you. It's always been his plan to have you engaged in this work of the gospel. It changes everything. It redirects our entire life. Look on with me. The latter part of verse 16, reading forward in our text. I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. I didn't go talk to anybody once Jesus revealed himself in me. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter, not to be instructed, but to visit, 
and remained with him fifteen days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now concerning the things which I write to you, indeed before God I do not lie. Afterward, I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was unknown by face to the churches of Judea which were in Christ, but they were hearing only, He who formerly persecuted us now preaches the truth which he once tried to destroy." And they glorified God in me. I mean, Paul is on a completely new course of life. And this is what I want to bring just in closing today, some application for your heart. Listen, there's only one message that saves, and it's Jesus. And it's this work of grace. And it's able to to change everything, your past. He's able to call and bring and accomplish the purpose that he's had planned for you since the beginning of before you were born. And it's also an opportunity to have your entire life redirected by God. Look at Paul's testimony. Now, again, I think he's reminding the church, look, the Lord revealed these things. I didn't run and get all this information from the guys who were already preaching. God was doing this work in me for my ministry eventually. But three years later, I went and visited with Peter and James, the Lord's half-brother, right? Same mother, different father, James, the brother of Christ, who didn't believe in Christ until after the resurrection when Jesus appeared to him. So Paul is saying, look, my whole life got redirected. And I want to say this to you and me. Listen, different places. Who imagined that God would be calling you in the new places that he's called you to? Who who knows where God wants to lead you? now that you are walking in the fullness of this call of God and his gospel in you. I found that God had a whole new chapter for me. I was working in the business, family business, for years and years. You know the story. But God began to call me out and reassign me. And that's, that can happen. God can, and seasons change, and God's got new assignment for you. There are new places for you. Be led by the Lord. Oh, no, I've got it all planned. I know where I'm going. I know what I'm doing. God, come on, we got, I got it worked out. no. God wants to lead new places. I had no idea. I, I, I remember when I went to India, I went there just all by myself, guitar in my hand. I got off that plane in India, and I thought, what have I done? How did I get here? That was what I was literally said out loud. But it was the Lord, new places and new people. Paul gets to meet Peter. Can you imagine that? A couple of weeks with Peter. Paul, 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 or excuse me, Peter. Tell me about the multiplying of the fish and the loaves. How did that work? How did those baskets just keep going? Peter, Peter, the lepers that were healed. How did it, what did it look, those blind eyes that he opened? You were there, you saw it. Tell me about it. Oh, Peter, you walked on water? Well, for a little while. Peter, when you and John ran to the empty tomb, what did you think? Right? Just imagine the fellowship that they had. Paul, this learned scholar of, uh, and Pharisee of Pharisees, talking with a fisherman. But they're brothers. They're brothers in Christ, knit together by the love of Jesus. Look around. The people that God wants to weave our lives together. The family that he has made us. What a group of misfits we are. All different walks, all different colors, all different backgrounds, 
but all of us together in Christ. You see, this thing changes everything. It changes all relationships, where we're going and who we're going with. God wants to do these new things. Paul is getting his calling reaffirmed as he visits there with with, uh, Peter and James. And a new purpose. A whole new testimony. A whole new witness of his life. Paul, who used to be the persecutor and the you know, the evil, ruthless man against Christians. Here's what they're saying now. He who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith which he once tried to destroy. God wants to write new story over your life. God wants to say the same testimony over over you and over me. He, she, this is who they formerly were. Here's what God's got them doing now. Here's how the Lord's using their life now. Can you imagine having that testimony? Imagine how that blessed Paul. Yeah, that's, what are they saying? Well, they're saying that the guy who used to persecute the church is now preaching Christ. Yep, that's about right. That's the change that God has brought. A whole new story, a whole new purpose, and a whole new result. Verse 24, and they glorified God in me. Isn't that the best? Isn't that the greatest opportunity is that someone would see your life and glorify God, not glorify you. Oh, wow, you're super Christian. No, no. You've got a super Savior. Look what he's doing in your life. Look what he's done. I'm giving God glory for the work that I see him doing in your life. And that's the, I mean, that's the greatest crown of all, church. If we can glorify God, if we can glorify the one who saved us, if we can allow him to direct our lives and allow this, this message of the gospel to change everything, and, and, and he wants to and he will, and it's beautiful. And it's the things that God ultimately desires, I believe, to accomplish, not just in Paul. Let's not just read, oh, well, he was the apostle. What a great story. This is the story he has for you and for me. If he could be used and and rescued out of his background, there's hope for you and me. You're not worthy of it. I'm not worthy of it. What 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 a story that he'll be able to say, look, this one, here's who he was. Here's who she was. Here's what they were before. But now here's what I'm doing. Is your life aligned with this gospel? Are you on board? This is the greatest message in history. This is the word. God has a message from heaven. God is speaking to mankind, and the word is, and the message is this. Jesus Christ, come to him, invite him into your life, live for him. It changes everything. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for the testimony of the Apostle Paul. We thank you, God, for, most of all, this message this message of what we commonly call the gospel. Because in the last days, you have spoken to us. In these last days, Lord, the last days of men upon the earth, you have a message. There's a word from heaven. There's a word of hope. There's a word of love. There's a word of help and rescue and mercy. There's a word of future. There's a word of grace. And the word became flesh, and his name is Jesus. Lord, we thank you for this 
power of God unto salvation. As our heads are bowed here today, and we get ready to close in a song of worship, I do want to give an opportunity if you need to respond to the Lord. It may be that you are here today and you, you just need to put your faith in Christ. You've never received this good word from God. Maybe you thought you were a good person and that somehow you were okay with God. Or maybe you feel just the opposite. You're so condemned and feel so removed and so impossible. Or maybe you've just been living along, you know, bumping along and just, just not willing to surrender and accept this new life that God has for you. But today, today the Lord is speaking to you and you realize it's Jesus. God's been speaking to me all along. It's Jesus. He loves me. It pleased him to reveal Christ in Paul. I believe there are some here today. It would please God nothing greater than to reveal Christ in you. Maybe you're here today and you need just to recommit or realign your heart with the Lord. You know, maybe you've been chafing at that redirecting that he wants to do. Maybe you've been resisting. Maybe you've been afraid of the new places and the new people and the new story that God is desiring to lead. And, and, and you're just kind of trying to hold on to the old. You've embraced Christ. Your, your heart is new, but your life is still kind of wrestling in the old. You know, Jesus said they don't pour new wine into old wineskins. And maybe you want to just surrender that and say, God, take me. God, I'm yours. I need to realign. I need to, I need to run wherever you call me. Lead my life with who, where, all for you. I want, I want to glorify you. And you just need to resurrender, recommit your heart. I'd love to pray for you. So if you're here today, you want to receive Christ? You want to recommit your heart to Christ and ask you just to raise your hand where you're seated. Let me see you, and I'll pray for you. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Amen. number of hands, many responding, front and back, both sides, any others. The Lord's speaking to you. We're just going to pray. It's good to say amen. It's good to say, that's me. Pray for me, Pastor. That's, that's my heart. Amen. Just going to wait on the Lord here for just a minute. He's speaking to you. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Anyone else, just before we pray? Amen. And so, Lord, we are coming to you now, these hearts responding. And, Lord, what can we say? We're amazed. We're amazed that it pleases you to reveal Christ in me. Lord, I don't deserve it. Lord, I could never earn or work my way into it. I have to receive it today the way it's offered, by grace. I want to say thank you. I want to ask you to forgive me. I want to ask you to 
Change me from within. Reveal Christ in me. Show me deeper, more truth of who you are and what you have for me. Lord, show me what you have for my life, that, that which you've planned over me from, from the day I was in my mother's womb. And Lord, lead me. I'm yours. It's all yours, God. It's all for you. It's all from you. Lord, redirect my life. Have free reign. By your spirit, show me, lead me, help me. I want to walk in the fullness of what you've called me to. We ask these things today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Calvary Chapel, Monrovia. We pray you have been blessed by this sermon. For more information, please visit www.ccmonrovia.org.